Good evening. I'm using a scripture that George used this morning. I don't know if you remember that 1 Corinthians 15, 58 was used in the sermon today. Preachers like to stomp on each other's toes and, and get in all their business. But we actually, we talked about our sermons a little bit together. And uh, we will be there. It is interesting that uh, Labor Day is one of those holidays that people like. And I think it's one that teachers need. I mean, they've been in school at least a whole week. And they need an extra day off, right? So, whoo, Labor Day. I don't have to labor at school. How many of you bought a Labor Day card to give somebody? Uh, no, no Labor Day cards? We don't do that kind of stuff, right? It's, Labor Day is a weird thing, as, as George mentioned earlier today. But we work and we celebrate work by not working. And... Um, there's a history to this, this, and I'm not going to get into it, but anyway, we do want to welcome everybody here tonight. We're glad you're here to worship God, and I want to say that uh, it's a privilege that we have to be together as God's people. We are called together to be worshipers. We're also called together to be workers. I want you to understand up front in this lesson I may step on some people's toes, including myself, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I want those scriptures to speak where they speak and to direct us in the fact that we have a work to do. And worship is not the work. As we gather together to worship, sometimes we feel like you know, we, we come to church on Sundays and, and we, we worship and we want to do things right and we study the Word of God and, and we go home and, and we might feel like we did God's work today. And I want to suggest to you that it's a whole lot more than that. We come together today because we are worshipers of Him who saved us from hell. We are here to worship God because He loves us enough to pluck us out of darkness and place us into His marvelous light. That's why we're here. We gather together as His children to celebrate being saved and encourage one another. Uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, 10 quickly. Hebrews 10. This is a verse that sometimes we use. Uh, just want to say this is kind of what we're trying to do tonight. In Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about uh, we need to draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance. Verse 22, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love. That's what George talked about this morning, right? Encourage one another to love more and good deeds, which is working, doing good works. So this evening I want to try to stimulate our thinking, stimulate your mind to realize that everybody here has a place of work, a, a work to do for God. We don't merely just come to be worshipers. God has called us to a much higher calling than that. In 1 Corinthians... Oh, I've got to figure this thing out. Okay.
Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, if you haven't already. 1 Corinthians 15. Now this text prior is talking about the resurrection, uh, verses 20 and following. It's all about the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of, of man. It, it's a great uh, section of Scripture. I'm not going to dive into that. I'm kind of getting into the very bottom of it, but in verse 56 or 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a victory in Christ. There is a, resurre- re- a resurrection day coming when our work on earth will be finished. So I have a question. Do we need a day off from working for the Lord? <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? Uh, Lord, I need a day off from working for you. And it is true that we all need rest and recreation and some time off. I know that some ministers that I've, I've known, and I have a cousin that was a minister for a while in a different church, and, and they would take time off. You know, they would, they would give them time, like, you know, take a month off and renew your spirit and go to the mountains and, and see God or whatever. Like, I never worked for a place like that. You know, nobody ever said, take a month off. It's, you know, if I came back and say, see you later, dude. So I, I've never had that kind of deal where I can just go off and, hmm, you know, think about my lessons for the year and, and commune with God and get closer and, and kind of rest, rest up for a month so I can go do the work. I don't see that happening in the Scriptures either. I, th- I know that there's days of rest and Jesus said we need to have rest. God said we need a day of rest. But we need to have a life of work. For God. Not a life of rest. That's coming. I got to find my notes here. So, he says in verse 58, Because we have victory in Christ, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So that word steadfast is on the chart there, or on the board, screen, whatever the thing is. It means to be seated. It means be firmly situated. We need to be firmly set in what we believe, firmly set in the Scripture, firmly set with God, and immovable, motionless, away from God, as his followers, and then we always abound in the work of the Lord. And that abounding is an overflowing. It's overdoing. It's not, it's not like doing the minimum I need to do to be a Christian or what, what I think God might want me to do as a, as a work for him. I'm going to kind of do a little bit. No, he says, do beyond that. Get after it. Get all in with me. And see what might just happen in the Lord's church. There are many churches today that are no longer having the soul-saving mentality. It's more of a worship society. We gather together. I'm not saying us particularly, but it can be us. We gather together to encourage one another to come back the next time. And then the next time we come back, we're encouraged, be here next time. 
And the next time, boy, you'll really be faithful if you're here the next time. And I want to encourage you to know that faithfulness is not just about worship service and coming before God to worship Him. That's awesome. It's a privilege and a blessing to one another. And it's uplifting to me. I love the songs we sing. I like to hear the Word of God. God partaking in the Lord's Supper. Those are things Jesus told us to do that. So good on you for doing it. But worship is not our primary purpose as a work. Now, there is something I want to address briefly. Now, preachers and teachers and Bible class teachers, hey, that's kind of a little rhyme, isn't it? Preachers and teachers and Bible class teachers. I guarantee you they're working. They work to provide lessons and and studies for our children and for the adults. And and it takes hours of preparation in many cases and sermons. Uh, Being a preacher, I understand, it takes effort. Sometimes great effort. And sometimes you work and you work and it just doesn't seem right. And you got to scrap it. And you got to start all over and spend another 12 hours. Because you want God to be speaking to you. To move you to do good works. Not just to come back next time. Always abounding. That word abounding is the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to turn over there to Ephesians quickly. Let's look at that. I'm going to start at verse 3 because it's just hard to start in the middle of this section. It's so awesome. About the blessings God gives us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. That's the word. Lavished is the same word as abounding in the work of the Lord. Doesn't it seem like it makes sense? And shouldn't it be just kind of normal and natural for us? seeing all of God's glorious and lavishness of gifts on us, that we would want to work for Him more than the minimums. There's a lot of things we can do for the Lord in in the work of the church, and some of it is because we have a building. There's certain works that we do here. But I want to tell you, those things are important. But they're also not the primary task. Jesus didn't say in Matthew 28, or you know, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, Go ye therefore and clean the building. But we do that, and we should do it heartily as for the Lord. There's other scriptures that talk about that. What did he say? Go, teach, baptize, make them disciples, and teach them what I taught you, and they will teach others what they taught. You know, it just goes on and on and on. We are to be teachers of somebody else. And not just the preachers. Not just an elder. 
Not just a Bible class teacher, but all of us should be growing. We're going to get to that text in Ephesians in a minute. So always abounding in the work of the Lord, producing large quantities of work. Being over and beyond to excel more is what it means. Colossians 2, 23 and 24 is that scripture. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. I'm glad that we have people that do so many things around the building, for instance. Groundskeeping, cleaning, seeing things that need done, asking somebody else to do it, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm the guy that sometimes asks to do it, and I kind of forget sometimes. Uh, sometimes I fail in my work for the Lord in, in certain things. But I want to tell you, I, conf- I confess to you, I have failed so much in the work of the Lord that matters the most, and that is going out and finding somebody to tell them about the love of Jesus. Are you with me? Because friends, that is our primary work. Our primary work is not building. Our primary work is salvation. And I fail miserably so much of the time. But you know what? God believes in us. He believed in the disciples. And they got with it. They worked their lives to the bone. They worked themselves to death, literally, for Christ. Who of us has that kind of determination? Who of us has that kind of drive? They saw the risen Lord. Do we see Him by faith? Again, we need relaxation. We need leisure. And, uh, you know, days like tomorrow, a labor day, a day off maybe for some people. Other people work. Not everybody takes a day off. We need those times. But let it be a time of refreshment to get back to work. To get back to work. We need to tell people about a Savior who wants to save them from perishing. You see, our leisure time and our vacation times and our days off can become what we live for. They can become our idols. We love our time off so much and we just can't wait for the weekend. We just can't wait for that vacation. And and vacations are great. Once in a while I get one. And they're, they're awesome when it happens. But that's not what we live for. Our new identity in Christ is a Christian. A disciple of Christ who is told to go and teach others. When we work for the Lord, our toil is not in vain. In the Lord. So, what is the work of the Lord? Uh, let's think about Jesus for a minute or two. <clears throat> I had a, a computer glitch, so my, my notes are out of whack and I, I couldn't sort it out right. So, if I'm up here kind of doing this, it's because that's what I'm doing. Turn your Bible to John 4. Let's look at that quickly. We've had a Bible study recently in the auditorium class about this text. A woman of Samaria 
came to draw water and she's a Samaritan woman and, and Jesus talks to her. You see, Jesus talked to her first. There's a little mini point I want you to get here. <clears throat> the Samaritan was not a Jew and Jews did not talk to Samaritans and they rarely talked to a woman. And so this is a double whammy, a woman and a Samaritan and Jesus, the King of Kings, talks to her first. Let that be a lesson to us. Let's not just wait around for somebody else to strike up a conversation. Is there somebody you know in your network of life that you can start a conversation with and tell them about the water, the living water? Tell them about Jesus. So much of the time we just go through our life just on autopilot and we forget that we have a purpose. Jesus talked to this woman and he's telling her about things and then uh, that her husband is not her husband and she's been with all these guys and, and then she goes off and tells everybody else about Jesus and then they want to know more about Jesus and, and his disciples come and they're concerned about eating. See verse 39 or 29 says, Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they all went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And his response was this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In other words, Jesus found more satisfaction, more contentment. His body felt better because he was spreading the good news to somebody. It's more fulfilling than a good meal down at your favorite restaurant. And in Lubbock, we have lots of restaurants, and that's about all we got to do for fun. We go out and eat. And I love going out and eat. How many of you like to go out and eat? Okay, five of you are still awake. Good. We love to eat. I love good Mexican food. I love a good barbecue. I love a good chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and gravy. And, and, and I mean, these guys are hungry. And, and, and they said, Jesus, aren't you hungry? He said, my food is doing the will of my Father. And wouldn't that be an awesome idea if we felt that way too? That it's more satisfying to our belly to talk to somebody about Jesus and witness them baptized into Christ and having their sins washed away. This is an awesome feeling. Do you remember what it felt like for you when you came up out of the water? Or is your heart hardened to that? Or do you remember the thanksgiving How your heart was pricked. How it was tender. How it was tenderized when you realized I need Jesus. Thank you Jesus for saving me. Talking to a real human being about God is more special than having a great meal. If that's all I remember tonight, do that. Put that in your book. Write it down in your notes. Go to your phone, put notes. 
Talking to somebody about Jesus is more fulfilling and satisfying than a great meal at restaurant McDonald's. Easy. I, I've never been to Double Nickel. Man, they should pay me for these ads I'm doing up here. I've never been there. My son always used to, my other son, would always say, well, let's go eat at Double Nickel for lunch. I say, well, that's about all I got, a couple nickels. Is that going to work? And it won't. Write that down. Not double nickel, the other. Oh, wait, 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 wait. In that same text, in that same text, at the bottom of the screen there, see that? So they're urging him to eat, and he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Jesus was saying there's a lot of people out there that are ready to be harvested. I think there's some in Lubbock. How about I challenge all of us and stir you on to love and good deeds to write a name of somebody you know? I mean, like right now. Write a name of somebody you know, and if you're too embarrassed, and maybe you don't want to write anything, I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to be up here and say, Oh, Eddie did not write down a name. I'm going to, oh, he's holding babies. Okay. A good reason, good reason. But I'm, I'm not up here to see if you're writing or not. But I'm asking you, and I am encouraging you, and I'm stirring you up and begging you to write down a name of somebody you know in your workplace, at school, somebody you know that maybe you've already talked to, and maybe it's somebody you've never talked to. You need to start a conversation, build a relationship. But it's not just about being a friend. It's about being somebody who leads them to know about Jesus. Now, I understand in this town, everybody's a Christian. No. And not everybody who thinks they're a Christian is a Christian. I grew up in a religious home all my life. And one day I heard the truth. You see? Turn your Bible to John 5 quickly. Here's another story we've had recently too about uh, a man that was sick for years and years. He waited by the water to be healed and all this. Angel Lord would stir the water up at once in a while and and the first one that got in there would be healed. And and Jesus healed this man who'd been sick for 38 years. He healed him on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was supposed to be a day of... It's a labor day, right? A day of rest. Don't do any labor or you're in big trouble with God. So labor day or Sabbath day, Jesus did some work. And I want us to understand that what Jesus is telling us, at least in part, it's always 
It is always okay to talk to somebody about Jesus, even when you think it's a day of rest. What if you never see him again? What if you never see him again? Oh yeah, the scripture on there, let's see, uh, John 5, 36, I, I better read that. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus did works for the Lord. God. Almighty. Yahweh. Jesus was doing the work. We could push on to uh, the cross. Oh, we'll do that in a second. Uh, Matthew 20, 28. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. That's what He did. That was a work. And on the cross, Jesus shouted, remember these words? It is finished. What was finished? His work as a sacrificial lamb. His work as the Redeemer. He did what God asked Him to do. He did the work to the very end and it was finished and He bought us with His blood. Jesus, He knew how to work. <laughs> he knew how to do the Lord's work. You know, Jesus appeared to His disciples, gave them a job description. Again, Matthew 28. Turn your Bible there. I know you know where it's at. I'm hoping, hopefully your Bible just kind of opens up there naturally. Right? That in Acts chapter 2, right? I mean, it's just like boom. The Bible just goes boom right there. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. See, that's where it gets repeated. It gets repeated. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, they did it. They worked hard, those apostles. Those disciples worked really hard. And they all died faithfully except for Judas. Paul became a, a very much active, powerful servant of God. He died in service for the Lord. He said at one place, you know, I want to go be with Jesus, but it's better for me to stay here and work with you. He wanted to keep working with them so that they would keep teaching somebody else about Christ. Not just to attend worship. Not just to float through life until we die and, and have a Christian gravesite funeral thing. Hmm. Turn your Bible to Ephesians 4. Let's look at this scripture a little bit before we quit. <clears throat> You know whenever a preacher says something about quitting, you can't believe a word of it. Okay, so Ephesians 4. We've had this scripture taught and preached several times since I've been part of this congregation. And I was one of them that preached these things. 
But in chapter 4, verse 11, it says, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Catch this phrase. According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So we have talked about this many times, and not all of us have the same skills, not all of us have the same talents or gifts, or necessarily work in, in the, in the, as things get divvied out, the things that we need to do. You know, even the first century Christians, you know, the, they had the, the guys chosen to make sure the widows were fed. You know, those are works of the Lord that are important. So don't let me... Th- Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying the things that we do, other things besides soul saving, are not important. They are important. But our primary servanthood, our primary work, is to seek and save the lost, and it takes a body of people to do it. When we work properly, it's amazing what can happen. You see, the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers in this text, are not the ones going out teaching everybody else who is lost. Although that did happen, and does happen today. But we are to be equipping you. Preachers are to be equipping you, saints, for the work of service. And we are supposed to be abounding in it lavishing in it. It's kind of like a, when you throw a, a, a bone with some steak meat on it to a dog. You know, it's like, ah, more, more, more. I want that. Give me more. I, I need more. I need more. I'm not saying we're like dogs eating bones. But we need to have that kind of more of a ravenous desire for the King of Kings who gave Himself up for us. I love the song we sang, the second one before the Lord's Supper. The, the one right before the Lord's Supper is good. The one before it is 20 times better. That's my opinion. I love that song. It brings tears to my eyes. I was there kind of trying not to, trying to be manly and it's like something's in my eye. You know? But it's about Jesus and His sacrifice. And if that won't motivate us to work for Him, then there's nothing that will. I can be up here preaching till I'm blue and I can go out there and be the the most amazing example to you, which I am not most of the time. But if it's not in your heart, I can't make you. I just want to encourage you. Encourage you to encourage me. Encourage you to encourage her. Encourage him to encourage him. We're to stimulate one another to love and good deeds as we teach the gospel. The Lord's work is primarily, not all-inclusive, but primarily seeking the lost 
so they can be saved, to build up the church so the church can go seek and save the lost. That's what we are to do. Let us all grow up in all aspects unto him. And as each one of us works properly, it's amazing what we might get done. I grew up in a small town of Rocky Ford, Colorado. And I don't know how many times my friends and I, as we were driving around being cool kids, you know, with a driver's license and driving uh, our vehicles around and looking cool and flexing our muscles out the window, how many times we saw city workers leaning on their shovels. And we just kind of laugh about it. It's like, how many guys does it take to dig a hole for the city? And I don't know how many times we saw five or six guys, and they're all leaning there. They might have a Coke or something, and, and there's one guy in the hole. Everybody else is just sitting there resting. Can you imagine what could have happened if all them guys got busy and dug the silly hole? Can you imagine what the Lord's body would be like right here in Milwaukee Avenue if everybody would just get busy and spread the gospel. You know, we're talking about expansion. We need more classrooms. We've got a lot of kids. It's awesome. I love this body of believers. We've had people move in. We've had people transfer over. We need to see more people in the baptistry. We need to see more people converted from Satan's realm and domain into Christ's holy body. Are you with me? Are we with Christ? Can we kind of amp it up? Have you written down your name? Find somebody to talk to. And pray for strength. Pray for courage. Pray for boldness. Pray for wisdom. And be loving. And expect God to do something. Let's all do that. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you so much for your loving us so much. You would choose us to be your children. You'd rescue us from hell. Save us and give us a reason to live. Father, please forgive me and forgive those who feel likewise that often think lightly of your work and feel like we're doing great things when maybe I'm not doing so much. Father, put it on our hearts to remember the cross. To remember that we deserve it. Help us, Father, to see people. See the fields white for harvest. Help us remember the Scriptures in Matthew 28 that we all sort of to learn and teach others. Fill our hearts with love and compassion for others and forgiveness. But give us motivation and give us strength. And help us realize we don't need more days off from you. We, more, we need more days full on with you. Help us to be your kingdom workers in a way that bring you glory and honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have needs this evening to ask for God's help in any way, repentance for sin or encouragement in your life for problems you're having. And maybe there's somebody here today, <clears throat> tonight, that's just kind of been going through the motions. 
And maybe you haven't even been baptized into Christ. Your sins are still on you. And they'll take you down. But with Christ, He'll relieve you and set you free. Won't you make a change today? Let's stand together and sing.